Uninvisible is a support podcast that deals squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our terms of service and privacy policy which are available on our website located at uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman. And I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, I've cooked up something amazing with my friend Natalie Y. Beavers, founder of Angels of Epilepsy, and it's all yours for free now. Go to my website at uninvisiblepod.com and download your free ebook called Hacking Healthcare, a resource guide Natalie and I have compiled using not only our experiences in the healthcare system, but also with the assistance of other patient leaders who have added their two cents. From a message of empowerment to notes on navigating health insurance and your doctor's visit, this is an invaluable guide intended to make healthcare more approachable and to give you the tools you need to succeed. This resource has been incredibly eye-opening and important to us, and we hope that with it, you will see real results and improve your experience in the system. Once more, that's a free download of Hacking Healthcare at uninvisiblepod.com. Go check it out, guys. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with someone very special (laughs) who I've been wanting to have on the show pretty much since before day one. This is Dr. Lisa Hunt from Holtorf Medical Group. Dr. Hunt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Oh, my gosh. It's been such an honor to be on your wellness journey. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Well, it's been an honor to be working with you. And now, like, three of my other friends are working with you. It's pretty awesome. And I'm so grateful. Yeah, everyone's getting well together. Yeah. So we wanted to sort of start at the beginning to give everyone a sense of what you do and who you are. Can you tell us if you have a personal connection to invisible illness aside from your work as a practitioner? So not me personally, but originally when I started practice in traditional allopathic family practice 25 years ago, I quickly learned that many of my patients were not being helped by traditional medicine or even being listened to. Hmm. I have never been one to simply mask existing symptoms and have always been one to ask appropriate questions and wanted my patients to feel like they are being heard. Hmm. My focus has been getting to the root of the problem and focusing on solution based on the discovery of the root cause thus restoring balance to one's life. Mm. Yeah, which is integrative medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that how you found Holtorf Medical and got involved here with Dr. Holtorf and everyone? Yes, I've been a fan of Dr. Holtorf for many years. Uh, I've, I've heard him talk at different conferences, and I just really like how science-oriented he is. Yeah. So um, he reached out to me, and so I That's feel awesome. really honored to be here. Yeah, that's great. And what about your specialty as well within this integrative functional medicine approach? Is your specialty more like thyroid disorders and Lyme or? We deal a lot with chronic underlying infections here. Mm. Um, That's, you know, a lot of our specialty checking really in detailed labs. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big thing when I first came here too. Yeah, we look really deep. Um, Mm. 
Usually people end up with 30 vials of blood. I hear about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my thing is now I go and get my, my labs done, and they're like, oh, only two vials for you today. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, it starts, like, a lot. I mean, I remember when I first came to you, you said to me, it was when I'd, like, just been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and you were like, this is going to be the hardest year of your life. Mm-hmm. And you weren't, you were, like, very straightforward about it. You weren't joking, but also... It, you were honest about it and we were very direct in all of our approaches pretty mm-hmm. much from that point onward weren't we yeah and I always want to instill hope in my patients like it's not up to me to tell you you know that this can't be done because it can a lot of times it's a lot of diligence and a lot mm-hmm. of work on your own part and to keep seeking answers yourself yeah my job as your physician is to empower you with knowledge so that you know you can decide what intuitively is best for you. Yeah, totally. Well, one of the things that's always come up with us too is that, you know, like I say to you, oh, I've been reading this book or mm-hmm. checking out this, you know, pathway and stuff. And you're always super encouraging about stuff like that. Yes, and you I are, love it. When yeah. You read. Well, I've become one of those patients. <laughs> we become them. When we're chronic illness patients, we become real students of, of And I illness. love that. I want people to ask questions. Yeah, which is awesome. And also, you were the person who introduced me to combo therapy for my, my thyroid, too, mm-hmm. which was like a really big deal because all these allopathic doctors just hadn't mm-hmm. gotten there mm-hmm. with me. So that was really exciting. Yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, how are you balancing the occurrence of hypochondria with the reality of these invisible, quote unquote, invisible symptoms that we're hearing about from people? Yeah. Well, I never make any assumptions about hypochondria um, as I assist patients on their journey to wellness. Uh, each re- each patient always receives my undivided attention, compassion, and respect. All visits at Holdorf Medical Group are extended. Each patient's initial office visit is scheduled for an hour. During this initial visit, I take an, a detailed history and discuss issues important to each patient's care. Each patient's second visit is also scheduled for an hour, um, where we review the appropriate lab tests and establish a unique treatment protocol for them. Yeah, and a lot of supportive supplements and stuff mm-hmm. in that protocol, too, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. I love hearing from doctors like you. Pretty much every practitioner I've had on the show, I, I ask about hypochondria, and the very promising answer from literally everyone has been, no, hypochondria is not. I mean, there's always a problem. If mm-hmm. someone says there's a problem, there's a problem, mm-hmm. which is great to hear how much you guys trust patients, too, mm-hmm. because that's something we're really trying to figure out in our communications mm-hmm. a lot of the time between mm-hmm. doctors and patients. Mm-hmm. So what tests are you using first to determine the various conditions that people are coming into the office with here? And which are you finding among those conditions to be the most recurrent in your practice? So we do a, you know, a number of different lab tests. We can do urine testing, serum testing, saliva testing. I kind of leave that up to the patient. I'll explain to them the different types of testing that are out there. Mm. But a lot of times we do try and work with patients' insurance as far as labs at least. So we do you know, come back to probable serum testing just because that's what most insurance companies will pay for. And when you say serum testing, you mean... Blood draw, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and which tests are ordered are very individualized for each patient. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we may consider checking immune system dysfunction markers, uh, food intolerances, hormone levels, heavy metal levels, nutrient levels, underlying infectious etiologies. Um, we, we really strive here to do a comprehensive workup. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're doing that, like, are you 
finding, because I know that, you know, you really specialize in like thyroid and Lyme, for example, are there specific tests, say for Lyme, that are going to be more accurate than other tests that people might know about mm -hmm. so that you could educate our patients? Yeah. So um, if people have insurance, we'll start with the Western plot mm -hmm. for Quest. We'll also get the co-infections through Quest. Mm -hmm. However, there's a lot of um, more companies that are coming up and coming that are doing PCR testing like MDL, okay. um, where we can do serum MDL testing. Also, we're now offering the prime spot through RGCC in Greece, oh. um, where they will actually quantify um, the DNA of the organisms that they test for. Oh, so wow. those are some of the newer up-and-coming tests. Wow. So if someone comes in and they're showing all the signs for Lyme, then you'll probably recommend more in-depth testing so we know exactly where the levels are at, right? Yeah. Um, and then we also, with Lyme, we're always going to want to look at immune dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So checking the C4A, the human transfer growth factor beta. What does uh, all of this mean for people who are tuning in who are like, what is human transfer so growth? And like, you know. So we're trying to uh, measure the Th1, Th2 side of the immune system. And so mm -hmm. those are markers for each of those sides of the immune system so that we can balance that. And ultimately, with any of these chronic infections, we want to strengthen the immune system so that patients can overcome that. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I know there's also a lot of different treatment options, whether someone has Lyme or whether they're dealing with like a thyroid mm -hmm. autoimmune like I am. Um, are you finding that there is maybe like one of the more popular um, treatments now for these particular, like, is it like combo therapy for thyroid and like SOT for for Lyme, like where are your patients going the most right now? So I, I usually want to present the different types of treatment out, you know, once we get to that stage to the patient. And I try and give them um, as much information as possible about each treatment so that they can make the best decision for themselves. Hmm. We do do a lot of immune modulating. Um, the SOT therapy is antisense therapy, um, which works on um, the um, genetic replication sequence mm. of the organism, the target organism. So that's an option as well. Antibiotics are still an option. If that's what resonates with the patient, I'm not opposed to that. Mm. Uh, so we just we've start had, where the patient is. We've had long discussions about antibiotics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a, a double-edged sword, really. Right. Because some people need them, right. but and they can also cause damage. Mm -hmm. But we have nothing against them, ultimately. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so... I know that you mentioned that you spend a lot of time with patients in their first visit, their follow-up visit. I mean, I've always felt like I had a ton of time with you. So how are you addressing a lot of patients feeling by the time they come to you? They've probably been to a lot of practitioners, mm -hmm. you know, traditional allopathic medicine, and they're probably feeling really frustrated and feeling like they're shuttled from specialist to specialist. So has that affected your level of empathy and the way in which you sort of exercise your bedside manner, if you will, has that impacted the way that you really aim to treat your patients? Yes, and I, I really do enjoy spending time with my patients. I mean, I really want to take the time to just listen, yeah. uh, to hear them out, to hear what they're experiencing, to help guide us in what we need to do next. Mm. Um, I always want them to be f feel welcome at the office. Yeah. I, I, you know, with compassion, I want them to feel that we you know, are in the trenches with them, trying to help them. Mm. Um, I've always done my best, you know, my best or utmost to make sure that they feel like they're being treated as a human being yeah. and not a disease process. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big difference, though, isn't it? It's that a lot of people have gone from feeling like a disease process. <laughs> right. And I don't want anybody to feel that way. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you guys definitely do a good job of it here. And certainly you've been very open to like, I bring up my mom to all my appointments. And I love your mom. <laughs> She's like a minor celebrity here. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but it's great because you've been so open to that, like, you know, that I'm coming to you with like questions, with information and that ever you've never said no to me about stuff, which is really cool. No, I love it when people bring their family members or their spouses, because I want us all to be in this journey together. Yeah, totally. But you have that family approach, and I think that's something that really sets the the treatment apart for me. And it's a lot of the reason why I've sent a lot of friends here, because I've been like, you need to talk to someone who is going to look at the whole picture here, Mm -hmm. too. Right? So what about, does it make a difference if a, a patient is suffering from quote-unquote invisible illness, right, which can be a myriad uh, list here we're looking at with chronic illness and invisible illness. Does it make a difference if someone's living with something like that or not in terms of how you administer care, or you're really, it's depending on what they've got going on and you'll target based on that? Not at all. I mean, it's really important to understand that a patient's wellness is multifactorial, Mm. and it requires a state of balance of several factors. Um, I strive through integration of cutting-edge treatment measures designed to benefit the mind, body, and spirit to empower patients in their journey towards wellness. Mm. Each patient deserves their own unique prescription Mm. for care as no two person's needs are the same. Yeah, that's... You couldn't have said it better. (laughs) So what are your thoughts? This is the big can of worms I like to open in interviews like this, Mm -hmm. especially talking to someone like you who's an integrative practitioner. What are your thoughts on the U.S. system? With regard to work-life balance, we're going to start there. We'll get into healthcare in a minute. (laughs) But in terms of the way our bodies are expected to function in the world, Mm -hmm. is our employment and work system working for us or is it making people sick? Well, I mean, you know this. Approximately two-thirds of the workers these days experience burnout symptoms. For example, they have anxiety, depression, exhaustion, both physical and emotional, sleep impairment, brain fog, weakened immune system. They, and they have less social support at work as well as more job strain. Mm. Um, and though burnout is not an official medical diagnosis in the U.S., in several European countries it is considered an occupational disease. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's several real physiological uh, markers of burnout. Mm. For example, increased markers of inflammation, increased hemoglobin A1C, mm. and abnormal cortisol levels. Interesting. Um, you always test those on me, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and you know the physical and mental implications of burnout can have serious consequences, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, osteoporosis. Um, and in addition, uh, potential causes of burnout are things like technology has made it easier to be accessible anytime. Yeah. You're always on. Yeah. You're never allowed to be off. I'm literally holding my cell phone during this interview. Yeah. <laughs> and people can't say no because they're so worried about disappointing people or the anxiety of underperformance. Yeah. Or people are working in toxic work environments. Um, they're not being treated fairly at work. The workload's unmanageable. Um, their roles aren't de- defined. There's yeah. a lack of communication. Um, there's unreasonable time pressures. Mm-hmm. Plus, people are on their screens all the time, yeah. and they're constantly multitasking. I mean, when do you ever get to do one thing at a time anymore? Oh, I was literally crying on the phone to one of my friends about this the other day, because I was like, how can you not just do one thing and do it well? Yeah. It's really frustrating. Yes. <laughs> like, and even doctors who are the ones who are taking care of us, like you, 
have to do more than one. Like everyone's supposed to write a book or mm-hmm. be published in a medical journal or, you know, it's not enough to just be a good practitioner anymore either. It's, no. The pressures are unbelievable. How do you think we find a balance again in all of this? Like, Well, we have to make time for that. I mean, yeah. it has to be a, something on your calendar where you make time for you. Yeah. It's not going to happen otherwise. I literally, I've had that realization several times and I feel like I was reminded again, I had a hard reminder again recently to just schedule meditation, mm-hmm. schedule rest in the diary because otherwise it just doesn't get done. No, I agree. Yeah. And I think people that have a morning routine are more likely to accomplish it than if we leave it till we're exhausted at the end of our day. Yeah. So your meditation in the morning, you know, spending that time just for you to just be present in the moment before you start your day. Mm-hmm. And then another another thing that I find really useful is keeping a gratitude journal. Do you do that? I don't, but I have at times. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I do know that it's a practice that a lot of people claim is transformative. Well, we forget all the wonderful things that happen in our lives if we don't write them down. Mm-hmm. You know, we get stuck in the trenches when we're doing our day-to-day things. So yeah. that's something I really do. Even if you don't do a, a gratitude journal... I feel like there is a really great tip that I've seen people do sort of toward the end of the year where they're going, we're going to make New Year's resolutions. And it's having a little jar mm-hmm. that anything great that happens mm-hmm. during the year, you write it down and you throw, throw a piece of paper in the jar. And at the yeah. end of the year, mm-hmm. or whenever you need to pick me up, you can read them. Mm-hmm. But you can do the same with a journal and flip through. <laughs> yeah, no, But I think we need to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Because we all have wonderful things happening in our lives. Yeah, totally. But I think morning routine, I think you're right is a a big way to get in control of it too Mm -hmm. and putting it in the schedule. And it's great to hear a practitioner of medicine talk about whole body, whole personhood Mm -hmm. in that way too, Mm -hmm. which is huge. So we know that our work-life balance is not ideal. (laughs) What about the healthcare system? Mm -hmm. Is the healthcare system helping us or hindering us at this point? Well, One of the things I wanted to address is my husband's also in traditional allopathic medicine, and the patients that he serves wouldn't get help any other way. So Mm -hmm. thankfully, there is a system in place so that these people can get some help, and they're doing an amazing job with the resources that they have. So we get, and I think sometimes in functional medicine, we get so focused on what the traditional standard isn't doing, but they're doing a great job for the people that are completely underserved. That's a really good point. Yeah, totally. What about... Are there ways in which you could realistically see the healthcare system being improved so that patients didn't feel like they were at the end of their rope by the time they get to you or so that they felt that they had more access to information and treatment options? Well, I think the biggest thing in the traditional model is that patients and physicians are limited with time. Mm. So I'm really grateful to be afforded an hour for my first and second appointment with patients. So that's something I would love to see get into the traditional model, irregardless of payment. Mm. Um, And then also, I really think that the traditional model fails in terms of nutritional guidance, which I think is something that we really strive to work with here. Mm. Um, So that would be another improvement, you know, just focusing on the day-to-day things like our nutrition, being nutrient-dense, getting enough hydration, getting enough rest at night. Well, and also that with regard to nutrition, and I've learned this since working with you, that everybody is different. It's Mm -hmm. not the traditional food pyramid isn't going to work for everyone. It should be flipped around in most cases. Mm -hmm. But really that different elimination diets, different dietary approaches 
are going to help people in different ways and then using supplements to help up certain vitamins and things like that. But what's wrong about the nutrition? Because like there would be insurance companies, for example, that would come into this conversation and say, yeah, but we we let doctors refer to dietitians. But what's wrong with that approach being a one size fits all versus individualizing? Right. You know, I mean, are there, are there certain things that you would recommend specifically in terms of nutrition that would immediately be able to help people reduce inflammation? Well, to me, I always try and tell people nutrient density. So your mm. fruits and vegetables are going to give you your, your vitamins and minerals. So start with that. Yeah. And then, of course, lean proteins are important. Um, nuts and seeds, making sure you're getting enough fiber. So I don't ever like try and pigeonhole anyone into any specific thing or say this food is absolutely other than refined processed stuff that we all right. need to get rid of. Um, White things. Right. Right. I don't like forbid any food mm. if it's nutrient dense. Right. What about gluten? Is gluten the devil? <laughs> <laughs> so I know that gluten has become a super villain yeah. of nutrition in the past few years. And I'm not saying that you should maximize gluten in your diet at all. Um, but the one thing you do need to remove from your diet, like we just talked about, is anything um, white and processed. Mm. Um, that probably has to do a lot with access in this country too, right? That like a lot of the gluten that people would have access to is highly processed by the right. time they get it, right? And we, we've got to remember that some gluten-containing foods contain health-promoting parts, like mm-hmm. prebiotic fiber that's needed to, you know, that's for your healthy microbiome. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has a sensitivity or intolerance to gluten. Thus, I like to keep it individualized. I like to test for it, you know, first. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just ask people if they have symptoms with gluten. Or is it affecting their gut? Is it causing abdominal bloating? Mm-hmm. Is it acting as an irritant to their gut, leading to inflammation or leading to brain fog? Or is it affecting their behaviors? Mm-hmm. And another thing that we have to keep in mind, it depends on how gluten is being uh, prepared. There are certain factors in regards to its digestibility, mm-hmm. Um Staying away from white, refined, bleached flour. Um, sometimes people can tolerate the whole wheat organic flour, and it also depends on how long the, the gluten is fermented. Oh, wow. Um, so maybe if you're making your own bread at home, you mm-hmm. can have more control over yeah, that. Right. So we just have to keep in mind that simply swapping gluten-containing foods for processed foods labeled as gluten-free does not improve diet quality or decrease inflammation. Mm, that's a really, really good point, just being much more mindful of... More than anything, it's not that gluten's the devil, but it's that process is the devil, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like just reducing process as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important thing for people to remember. So, if people are making these lifestyle changes, whether it's dietary, whether it's exercise, something like that, does a diagnosis mean that people who are making these changes should upend their lives entirely, or? Can they like eat a donut once in a while or, or, you know, not go for that run today? How disciplined do people have to be? Does it depend on the stage of disease they're at? Well, I really believe one's journey to wellness is all about appropriate balance and each person's road to recovery is uniquely their own. Mm. So, you know, some people may be able to get away with an occasional food group that isn't good for necessarily everybody or, or may not need to exercise daily and Mm. other people may. So, I mean, to feel their best. So... We really have to individualize that. Yeah. I mean, if anything, if we've learned anything from this conversation, it's that there is no one size fits all for any of this, is there? Mm -hmm. And it's probably pretty dangerous, actually, to 
take the one size fits all approach. I mean, it's the thing that's getting us in trouble in the right. healthcare system, right? So, right. Right. <laughs> so to say that everyone needs to be keto or everyone needs to be doing hit exercises or, or right. whatever, it's none of that's going to work for everyone all the time. Right. And with chronic illness, we're not going to be starting with hit exercises, you know, <laughs> we're going to be starting with, you know, can you take a nice gentle walk, get outside? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that gentle approach, as mm-hmm. you say, which I think a lot of patients, again, that like patient burnout Mm -hmm. thing, you know, that like they come to you and they've been to everyone and they're frustrated, you know, actually taking a gentle approach might not be the first thought in terms of getting well, but sometimes it can be the most effective. It's Mm -hmm. certainly like, I feel like there were points in my journey with you, especially early on where it wasn't, it didn't necessarily feel gentle when I started combo therapy or when I started LDN, but that these things eventually they sort of even things out so that your whole system becomes more gentle in a way, right? Mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. go from sort of haywire to more calm and mm-hmm. less inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So I'm wondering if you have tips for people who maybe suspect they have something off, maybe they've got a diagnosis, maybe they don't. What would you recommend for patients who are trying to figure it out and who haven't hit on the right formula yet. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would make you know, recommendation, I would say, I mean, you're not in this journey on your own. Mm-hmm. So make an appointment with an integrative or functional medicine provider for the appropriate testing so you can get to the root of what's going on. I would also keep a nutrition log mm-hmm. uh, to see if you can associate any of your symptoms with any of the foods you're actually consuming. Because nutrition, you know, is a very important part of how we feel and care for our bodies. Yeah. And like I said before, it's also really important to nourish your body with nutrient-dense foods and making sure that you're adequately hydrated. And then the last thing I would say, sleep is so important for your overall health. Yeah, this is the first time we're talking about that, actually, but that's been a big thing. Yeah, so make sure you're, you're practicing good sleep hygiene. Mm, what does that look like? Well, you want to get off your electronics, mm-hmm. you know, an hour or two before bed. Um, there's special screens you can put on your computer, you know, several hours before you go to bed. Or special glass. light glasses. Yeah, the yeah. glasses you can wear, making sure your bedroom is completely dark, mm. you know, putting, you know. Uh, like blackout shades. Shades, yeah, over the windows. Or wearing an eye shade or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it also, like, is sleep hygiene also related to, like, trying to go to sleep at the same time and wake up around the same time every day, too? Yes. To keep the rhythm? Yes. Right. Yes. So all of those factors and really finding rest. It sounds like it's, I, I feel like there are going to be people who are tuning in who are going to be like, oh, great, I don't have enough hours in the day and now I need to take an extra hour to get ready for bed <laughs> and I have to spend an extra hour in the morning centering myself. How can people figure that out and like fit that in? Is it about just prioritizing it because they're probably feeling overwhelmed and not really looking at the bigger picture? Well, it's definitely prioritizing, but you're going to feel so much better if you do those things. So it's only going to give you incentive to push forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's discipline, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's really about going like fundamentally what I'm doing now isn't working. Even if you're dealing with something like just mild brain fog that maybe isn't related to another chronic illness yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if it's an early onset symptom or something, it's just about creating that structure for yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to be disciplined all the time, but that's exactly why we have doctors like you to remind us, right? No, and it's all about you taking care of you. You have to prioritize yourself. You can't help anybody else if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I actually wouldn't mind digging a little more into your particular specialties too and, and finding out more about if someone is like I was before I came to you or like some of my friends before they've come to you and maybe don't even have the diagnosis or are sort of in the early stages, particularly with thyroid and with Lyme, what would be the things that you would sort of immediately recommend for people aside from like the labs that we talked about? Is it like start doing research? Is it change your diet right away? Is it, you know? Well, it's all based on the history that I'm taking. It's going to be very individualized. It's not going to be any kind of one size fits all. Mm. So like, you know, at their initial visit, I am taking a nutrition history. I'm, you know, we have a 16 page questionnaire that people have to fill out. So we get it. I feel I don't remember that. It was so long ago. I must have questions about each hormone group, Mm. questions about chronic illness. I mean, it's all there. So we're going to go through that in detail. And then based on the information I find on that, I may make some recommendations. Also, a lot of people have already been to multiple physicians before they come here. So they've got labs. They've got tons of labs. So we go through those if they have them. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So everyone is really going to be different. And you guys also offer like in-office treatments, like IV treatments Mm -hmm. and things like that, too. So there's a lot of stuff that people can do in office here so that you don't have to run around extra Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get everything done, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what about like... For people who want to get heavy metals testing, for instance, I know that there are lots of different approaches. What's your favorite approach? So we have an Oligo scanner, which is photospectrometry that looks through, you know, and does different calculations through your hand. And it's actually very accurate. Mm. So that'll pick up heavy metals and we can go over those results with people right away. Yeah, we did that actually. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because it's totally painless and it's not mm-hmm. like you have to get pricked with a needle. or. Mm-hmm. But we do need your blood type for that. Uh, that's right. We did need that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember we double checked what my blood type was. Mm-hmm. And then did it. So that's a, a really great way to do it, but not every office that people are going to go to are going to have things like that. Yeah. So. And then we also do the three thyroid testing on your three thyroid tests on your first visit. We do the urine iodine, we do the thyroid reflux, and then we also do the basal metabolic rate. So we're tagging mm-hmm. your thyroid with those three numbers before we even get your blood work back. Okay, so that's a great way for people to get a baseline and understand Mm -hmm. sort of where they're at and for you to see the picture and go like, okay, we need to go maybe this direction, Mm -hmm. that direction. Um, That's amazing. It's I'm just so honored to work with you and and to have you on the show today to talk about all this stuff because you're such a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people hearing some of this scientific jargon. Some people are going to freak out and some people are going to geek out. (laughs) I'm definitely on the geeky side. Um, For people who are freaking out about that, can you offer them any um, words of wisdom in terms of sort of making all of this information more approachable? Is it about finding a practitioner who can help you separate the wheat from the chaff? Well, there's a lot of information on our website too. There's Mm. tons of clinical studies on there. Um, just a wealth of information to go to. So definitely not just our website, but a lot of functional medicine doctors have a lot of wealth of information on their websites that people can go to. And we'll have information that like a traditional allopathic doctor might not be Mm -hmm. giving you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And it's a team approach. I mean, I always say if God wanted one of us on this earth, he'd only made one of us, but there's all of us. So we're all here to work work together and serve one another however we can. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our interview today. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on. It's such an honor. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh my gosh, I'm grateful. (laughs) (laughs) I've been wanting to do this.
this for over a year now, so it's really very, very exciting for me. Especially, I think, um, because, you know, a huge portion of the chronic illness population is women, too. And, like, having a, a female practitioner who gets that and who also understands what that struggle is like when you're already struggling with being listened to is extremely comforting. So thanks so much for being on the show, Dr. Hunt. Thank you again. (laughs) That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.